Hello, my beautiful friend. Welcome back to Embodied Beauty. This is Krista Bukhari, your host, the girlfriend in your head, your high vibe beauty BFF, and I've missed you. I have been running around like a chicken without a head lately, and I'm really trying to right that ship by doing things a little bit more calmly and in a chill fashion. (laughs) I've learned recently that how you do anything is how you do everything. When you start to have stress in one area of your life, usually that trickles into overcompensating and doing more work everywhere. So it's like you start to have some stress, right? You're taking care of people, you're taking care of your family, your household, whatever. And then you start over-functioning at work because for some reason you're in this like high gear and instead of doing the rational thing of, oh wow, I'm going through something very challenging right now, let me slow down everywhere else and cut out anything that's extraneous or unnecessary or unhelpful. That's not what we do, right? We do everything with like top speed. We do everything well. We overfunction everywhere. And then we're like, God, why am I so stressed out? Why am I so burnt out? Because how you do anything is how you do everything. So I'm trying to do everything a little more chill, everything at half speed, take care of the essentials, and just get ready to go on this trip and try to unwind after a lot of chaos, a lot of craziness. But I'm not complaining because I get to go on a trip, so who am I to complain about that? Anyway, I'm going to open this podcast episode, well I guess I already did, but I'm going to open it with a random thought that came through that is kind of the color and the tone for everything I want to share with you today. Have you ever witnessed a person who is being more self-loving to themselves than you are. Now, sometimes this person is, you know, objectively less attractive than you think you are. But for some reason, they're a lot more self-loving. They're more of a self-advocate. They don't shy away from taking photos. They're less critical. They even talk nicely about themselves. And you start to get jealous that's a good thing. If you start to see other people being kinder to themselves than you are to yourself, I want you to do something about that. How can you be more self-loving? How can you be more of a champion for yourself? And this isn't about being perfect about it. It's about making shifts. And when you start to shift your inner self-dialogue, you really notice how fucked up everyone else's self-dialogue is around you. And it almost becomes like night and day. And instead of shrinking down to try to match and empathize and make people feel comfortable, I'm going to encourage you to continue to step into your power around it in a kind and approachable way and become more of a beacon, become more of a light, become more of an example for people around you because it all starts with you. Healing your own self-relationship has so much to do with helping other people heal their self-relationship just by leading from example. Now, I want you to be kind to yourself because just because some people are able to talk to themselves in a much more kind way than you are and maybe they see themselves a little differently, a little more neutrally, a little bit more loving, or maybe um, they just love the way they look a little bit more than you do at this moment, that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. It just means that your exposure to self-dialogue is very different than theirs and the emphasis on your appearance might also be different. So for instance, if we're talking about someone who is 
let's just say, um, God, I don't want to be too delicate with this, but like by society standards, not as much of a knockout as you are. Let's just say they're attractive and they have their own beauty. They're very unique and they really own themselves. And so their vibration is super high. And so they're like very magnetic. But objectively, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably like, you know, kind of have the plight of the beautiful woman, which is there's been so much emphasis on your beauty growing up that it has become such an important aspect of you you're going to hold yourself at a much higher criteria than they are. You're going to be a lot more hyper-focused on your aesthetics than they are. You're going to see it as much more of a big deal and much more important and also a lot more valuable. And if you lose it, you are screwed. It's a lot more high stakes. And that's kind of the plight of the beautiful woman. When you meet people who are like beautiful, but by any accounts a little bit more average, it's like they're interested in their hobbies. They're interested in their passions and their their drive for learning and their physical strength and stamina and accolades and um, relationships and like things that we should strive for. (laughs) But it's not, um, they might not be as fixated on their appearance. So just be aware that your conditioning and the value that's been placed on your physical beauty growing up might have an impact on how critical you're being And it might not be rooted in any real, true reality. So we want to shift our value away from being hyper-focused on perfectionism and more rooted into how you feel about yourself and how you carry yourself. The other thing is stop shining a light on your imperfections, or I'm using air quotes around imperfections, the things that you deem to not be enough, the things that you are like feeling disconnected from or think hold you back from loving yourself fully. For instance, I feel like I talk about my breast scars a lot on the podcast. I try not to talk about them on social media as much, even though, yes, vulnerability and relatability is important for growing your brand and blah, blah, blah. But it's also, there comes a time where I just feel like being private and I also don't feel like it has to define me so much. But that being said, it's like, When I am constantly talking about the things that I find to plague my mind, I'm shining a spotlight right on those things for other people as well. And the focus goes right to that spot. And it's almost not, it's not a positive thing. It's, it's highlighting an area where I feel insecure and bringing it up. And then people might start to think about it like, oh, well, yeah, maybe, maybe they are a little bit funny or maybe they are a little bit not perfect or maybe it's a, like if what you speak, how you speak, so you become. And when I wear myself more proudly, when I don't draw attention to the areas that I feel sensitive about, I don't encourage or welcome opportunities for people to also pick me apart. Like if you're around a lot of friends who want to pick themselves apart, maybe you can tap out of that game because it's not helping anybody. And this doesn't mean don't be honest. This doesn't mean don't rely on your support network to validate you when you really need validation when you need that perspective sometimes when you shine a light on your own flaw and you kind of breathe a little bit of awareness into it and you allow people to see it and you just bear it all and you feel very um you feel empowered by that then there's a healing moment in that but you don't have to be the body police. You don't have to be the beauty police. You don't have to always pick out all the little issues and flaws and things and put them on display to make sure that everyone knows that you are aware of them. Because if you are not bringing attention to it, 
chances are they ain't thinking about it. You know why? They're thinking about their own selves, okay? So this is what brings me into the main topic of today. I'm really, I'm getting there, I swear. But, well, well, hold on, (laughs) go back. So being more self-loving of your dialogue, practice it. Practice being more of an advocate for yourself, being more of a champion for yourself, and allowing yourself to be more loving. My friends who are like, did not grow up with the same emphasis on their appearance have a lot more of a smooth relationship with themselves and with their body image in general. And I'm a little bit jealous of that. However, I know this is my path and my path is part of my healing. And it's also what is bringing me to you to help you with this as well. Because if I'm feeling it, there's no way that other people aren't feeling this. Again, okay, back to the main topic. I went to a wedding this weekend and after the cat being sick and... Uh, Chris and I both being sick and the house being chaos and preparing for a trip like we just needed to get glamorous have a good time party a little bit dance just we just needed to like blow off steam and I'm so grateful I did it I wore a dress that shows my reduction scars like on the sides and I didn't care I felt totally I felt like I'm getting selfish I'm like why I've had um I had a consultation at a surgeon years ago um, for something. I don't even remember. I think it was like, I think it was for implants actually before I had them, but I hated this guy. He was like literally like pulling and prodding me like like my breast, like a chicken cutlet and like making all these scientific explanations of things. And I just felt like he was so chauvinistic and such a like, I was really grossed out by this dude. Um, I remember feeling really like, just really uh, uncomfortable. And he was like, well, you know, your scars don't come up too high. I mean, you can wear a top straight up to there. And I'm like, well, I don't want to wear a top straight up to there. I want to wear a top that shows whatever I want. I don't want, and I've had another surgeon who was really kind when I was on my, uh, when I was on my tour of consultations and another surgeon was like well you know you might not be an exotic dancer in Amsterdam but like you know you still look great in clothes and this and that and the other thing and I was like you know what like fuck all of you I want to be able to wear whatever I want and like now I will wear something that shows my scars and I don't give a shit anymore and you know what no one notices them ever I have never in my life had someone walk up to me and be like oh my god I remember when Ariel Winter wore like a dress on the runway that showed her scars like people flipped out it's like for how many women have breast surgeries now I it's so normalized for me when I got into body work I learned that almost everyone on my table had had some kind of breast story so we are not alone but I decided that I'm not going to shy away from clothing that shows my scars because it's part of my tapestry. It's part of my healing. I get to wear sexy items, even if it shows something that I consider to be a quote unquote imperfection. And that's part of my healing and embracing. And I encourage you to apply this to anything scar related, um, cellulite related, anything that is like makes you feel like maybe you shouldn't wear that top. I completely reject the fact that very thin women can get away with wearing cloths and um like you know like patchwork like little uh, like doilies for tops and heavier women aren't able to i completely reject that i think all bodies get to wear whatever makes them feel good so that's my rant for that but god i will get to the point eventually i swear so i went to this wedding i wore a sexy dress i felt really good i felt really like inspired um, by the outfit um, it was a dress that's been hanging in my closet for years that I've never really gotten to wear. And Chris was like, what are you going to do about your nipples? Cause like my nipples were showing. And I was like, 
through the dress and I said not a damn thing we're all adults here and it didn't have any cleavage I thought it was a pretty demure dress it was sort of like a linen blend so it had it didn't cling to me too tight I did uh, post a, a series of pics on Instagram if you're curious about seeing this red dress that felt um, just so good to be in um, I was looking for a dress that was like a long velvet dress with like long sleeves and more of like a February wedding dress but I just didn't have the bandwidth to like quickly get a shopping trip together because I knew it was going to put me over the edge stress-wise this week. And when I showed up, everybody was wearing that dress pretty much. And I felt like I, I stood out in a good way. I felt like my dress was very different. So I enjoyed it. That's this little story. But being in the bathroom of this wedding... I had multiple encounters with different women and everybody was doing the same thing. This is the process. I would compliment them and then they would tell me about something that was underneath the dress that they weren't happy about and it was stealing their joy from the evening. This happened maybe three times. I would compliment someone and she's, and they would both tell me, well, I'm, I'm postpartum and uh, my stomach is not what it used to be, but I'm getting a surgery soon and it's been 10 months since I had a baby and I'm going to get this all fixed. So like, don't worry. And I was like, I am just complimenting you. I'm telling you how beautiful you look. This woman was wearing those gorgeous dress and she just had like shoes that were like laced with diamonds and she just had her hair done and like she was carrying herself in the most stunning way. She had this royal blue velvet off the shoulder gown that was just like, whoa, like everyone's eyes just like popped out of their head, but she couldn't she couldn't bear to take the compliment long enough before telling me about everything that was happening underneath. And I have this unique ability for women to just tell me exactly what the thing is that's making them feel insecure. And I think it's because I'm like a a whisperer in this way and they they know that it's a safe audience and I'm going to have pure empathy for them and also like help them to see their beauty more so. But they weren't allowing themselves to celebrate themselves. They weren't allowing themselves to like fully appreciate it. These women had, they had their hair done. They had beautiful gowns on. They were out with their partners. They're out with their husbands. They were like having a glamorous evening at a fabulous wedding that had like free oysters and beautiful champagne drinks. And like everything was like, it was like champagne with strawberries and which I don't, I didn't drink, but you know, I do drink, but I don't drink champagne. It gives me a headache, although I would love to drink champagne um, just for the elegance of it, (laughs) but I can't tolerate it. But um, it was like everything, obviously it was free. It was was a wedding, but it was like a top-notch shrimp cocktail, raw oyster, fabulous top shelf liquor kind kind of wedding. And, you know, crystals everywhere. It was just really really glamorous, more glamorous than I usually see just based on, <laughs> based on my earthly lifestyle. But we were like, instead of being connected to the stunning ambiance and just feeling like queens, and I'm sure at some point they were, but they were very fixated on not feeling good enough and not feeling enough. And I was trying to explain to one of these women, um, about the plight of the beautiful women and how I'm like, I know this person and like, she's, she's actually was like a literal model and, um, is now postpartum too. And she was explaining how her body has changed and how she hasn't really been out of the house and she hasn't really reconnected to herself and all this stuff. And I started talking to her about, um, the energetic projection of beauty and how beauty is redefined and changes with us and, and fluctuates with us. And it's more of a, 
uh, of a vibration of what you're carrying and allowing room for changes in that beauty and also acknowledging like how stunning you truly are in this moment and I just saw her like glaze over you know it was like like some sometimes I worry that I'm not advanced enough with the beauty philosophy that I'm trying to embody or that I'm being too critical on myself and I'm not owning it as much and then I meet people who haven't even considered it and I'm like all right there's still a lot of runway a lot of work to do with people who are having a lot of trouble with radical body acceptance and radical self-acceptance I'm also seeing a lot of Botox and I'm seeing a lot of fillers and I can see it from a mile away and I also want to emphasize, like branching off of this topic, that it's never too late to stop. So I've explained the beauty, um, the balanced beauty spectrum before, and a lot of people are asking me about Botox now too. Like my clients are asking me about Botox and you know why they should or shouldn't do it, and um, people who used to do it. I don't, I don't believe in it for a couple of different reasons, but there are some. I won't, I'm not going to say exceptions, but some applications that I've seen it be supportive. So um, my, I have to share the story. Once you start using Botox, it doesn't mean you can't stop. Like people think that once you start using Botox and then you start doing fillers and you start doing all those alterations that you are now like on a path, like you've chosen your path and now you're not welcome in the holistic beauty world anymore not true. The holistic beauty world needs to be inclusive. It needs to be welcoming. It needs to be a place that you can return to once you've gone too far down the road or once you are deepening your self-relationship, you can the pendulum can swing back to the more crunchy side. So when I talk about the spectrum, it's like one side of the spectrum is full enhancement, like, you know, augmentations and Im- implants or fillers and Botox and, and, and chemicals chemical changes to your hair color and your nails and all that stuff and then the other end is like the full-on like super crunchy like I don't do anything I don't I I don't even paint my nails I don't color my hair anything very few people are fully fully in that that realm you know like the homesteading realm and somewhere in the the middle is probably where I am like I've had some cosmetic alterations with the breasts like I've mentioned I've had cool sculpting I've done laser um, to on my face um, to take off some brown spots and and broken capillaries and um, I dye my hair once in a while um, but people who are sort of in the Botox land like they have a hard time coming back to center once they start because they get kind of dependent on it um, but I have seen people's skin gets so much better when they stop using Botox because now we have more internal flow. I have a client who came to me and she used to get a full face of Botox, like a little bit of it everywhere. And I hate the cute names, like the baby Botox and the bullshit. Like I hate the cute names because it doesn't prevent aging. It's a total sham and it doesn't, um, it doesn't do anything to, to support your skin health. Her skin was distended, puffy, red, inflamed because of this Botox use because it was preventing the natural movement of her face. So when she started working with me, I started to move that fluid out and help with the lymphatic drainage, help with the awakening, the reawakening and the healing because once you use Botox, 
your it doesn't relax your muscle it atrophies the neurological components like it atrophies your muscles and your your nerves have to regrow so it's not a temporary paralysis your your body will regenerate these neurological connections but if you keep on botoxing over time the neurological connections don't reconnect the same way you can't you don't want to mess with the neurological circuitry of your face. So now my client uses her face more. She's more expressive and she's a very expressive person, but her skin looks gorgeous because of all the movement and the flow and the more healthy options that we're doing with her. So it's not that I'm like single-handedly trying to rail against the Botox industry, even though I've seen some really dramatic and terrible health things happen to, to women who have used it. Um, but the the more important thing is that it's not really going to do what you want it to do. It's kind of like playing whack-a-mole. So I have a friend who um, got Botox right at the beginning of her divorce <laughs> because she knew she was going to be furrowing and frowning and crying in a uh, a very concentrated period of time. And, you know, I also hear about people doing things like Botox, like when they've had like a really rough experience or they kind of need to reclaim themselves. I don't know if I've mentioned this to you guys before or not, but someone used Botox um, as a way of reclaiming their youth by releasing some of the trauma response of their face. I'm imagining deep furrows and clenched jaws and things like that. Now, there are other ways to do that. There are other ways to prevent wrinkles like the smoothing and the massage, the gua sha and the kinesiology taping. Some people just don't understand that. These are things that I teach in my membership, Um, not the kinesiology taping. I haven't taught that yet, but um, those are things I, I always talk about as being really important for wrinkle management. I can't really prevent wrinkles as much as you can control them a bit, like like manage them, smooth them out, uh, retrain the tissue. And I do it all day long with people and I do it with myself and it's, it's not the end of the world. It's also not the end of the world if you get some fucking wrinkles, right? We're going to get it. There's no such thing as anti-aging. It's just slowing aging, reducing the inflammation, keeping your body as well-functioning as possible, and also relaxing because what are you going to do? Do you want to spend your life worrying about the wrinkles or do you want to live your life, maintain your radiance, work on your self-relationship, be hot as fuck despite wrinkles, right? Or do you want to be frozen and filled and the fillers travel like we've talked about? So I'm not a fan of fillers at all, at all. Um, and they're, they're just so dangerous. So they travel, they harden, they, they put volume in places that you didn't intend to have volume. Just don't mess with it. So anyway, so this friend got Botox during her divorce because she needed some support. She needed some help during it. And she didn't know any other alternatives. But now she's done, right? The divorce is over. She That was a period of time in her life. She saw it as a bridge. Like I did it when I needed the support and I needed to just feel hot and I needed to feel like good about what I was seeing in the mirror. And now I'm done. I'm done doing it. My self-relationship is more important. And when she started stopped using the Botox right before it, she stopped because she started seeing compensatory aging. So if you Botox your forehead, you will your your face muscles work in synergy so your um, other muscles will, will recruit to um, so that you can make the movements that your body's trying to make unless you're going to gain some control over it with like the face yoga and things like that that I always talk about and I can link all of this in the show notes but um, I'll try to I'm like so busy this week I'm like I might just have to like let it be a free-for-all but um, no I'll give you guys some resources but um, she started seeing like 
um, puffiness, sagginess under her eyes. And so she and I were talking about compensatory aging and how we're trying to play whack-a-mole. It's like, oh, you see something moving that you don't want to move? Hit it. And, oh, you see a wrinkle forming here? Okay, you hit it with some Botox or you hit it with something else. Or you got a little wrinkle here, you want to fill it? Okay, fill it with, with filler and then that moves and it's like you're you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, but then there's these like, we're playing whack-a-mole with aging. It's like we try to capture one thing and strangle it so that it doesn't move or change. And then it pops up somewhere else because everything in the body is designed to move. So we can't play whack-a-mole. We have to transcend the whack-a-mole and start to look at ourselves softer, look at ourselves brighter, look at ourselves for more of our spirit and more of our carriage, the way we carry ourselves, the way we are with ourselves, our self-relationship get into things that are sensual and beautiful and make you feel sexy and like a goddess. These are things you can always pull on when you start to get hyper-focused on on freezing your face or worried about wrinkles or worried about changes. Okay, this episode is getting a little out of hand, but are you with me? I think you're with me. Yesterday, I went for a hike and I was feeling this like I like to do this thing where I'm tracing and trying to find the root of the ickiness. Sometimes you're just feeling a little bit of general anxiety or a little bit of general blah or a little general ickiness or something that just feels a little off and you cannot get to the root of it, right? So I was tracing this general blah. I'm like, what is it? What's the, what's the feeling? What's the thing? And what normally results from this journey of this tracking and trying to find it is that I feel disconnected from my purpose because I have altered myself in some way as if that's not the purpose. Like I feel that if I was perfectly natural and never did anything, I would be so much more powerful, so much more effective, so much more of a leader, so much more beautiful, so much more this, so much more that. It's all fiction. It's all stories. And what I realized is that I was not giving myself permission to really be who I am. Just be who I am. Define and decide what is beautiful and then show up in a powerful way because it's through your journeys, through your stresses, through your triggers, through your issues. That is the purpose. We think that those are the things in the way of the purpose. Those are actually the doorway into your purpose of the things you're meant to talk about, the things that you're meant to share. So instead of me looking at myself like, oh, well, I can't enjoy this beautiful nature, uh, nature surroundings because I have breast implants. Like, So why does that make me any less of a woman? Why does that make me any less than anything? And then I realized the only person that's holding me back is me. No one is going to look at me and say that. And if they do, good riddance. It's like they have no right into my mind, no right into my heart, no right into my spirit. We can't let our fears around people's judgments of what we've done in our lives. Because you know what? Being a human is incredibly complicated, is incredibly challenging, incredibly complicated, incredibly multifaceted. And here I am thinking that I either have to be a pixie woodland nymph who doesn't even wear synthetic rubber soled shoes in order to be like a natural being of of respectable nature or like exist in a metropolitan area and be like um be completely unnatural it's like I I don't allow the full spectrum of what I am it's like 
I love living in the paradox and, and embracing the paradox. It's like, and someone said to me uh, when I was talking to her about the paradoxes too, it's like, how can you be, um, be a natural woman who has done unnatural things to try to connect to her true nature? It's like, how do we embody that paradox? And true people, true healers embody that paradox. True influencers embody that paradox. People who are, and you are an influencer, even if you are not a uh, posting about your life on social media you are influencing everyone around you everyone who you come in contact with is going to be influenced by how you show up for yourself how you treat yourself and your philosophy on life and beauty in general you have a powerful way of transforming how everyone else around you sees themselves just by defining and deciding what is beautiful for you and digging into that truth and not allowing anyone to tell you what's up down right or wrong if you're listening to this and you have a full face of Botox and fillers and you feel absolutely empowered by that and you love that, I am never going to tell you that you're wrong. Do I feel concerned for that type of lifestyle? Yes, but not because it's some. It's not a, a high and mighty situation. I just want you to have the most radiant skin possible and the healthiest body possible, but I'm more concerned about your mindset and how you feel powerful. Feeling powerful and empowered. Remember the empowered beauty choices episode? Like that's kind of, that was a pretty deep um, run in on this exact topic. But I was feeling just so um, inspired by the the really rough ass self-talk I was hearing in the bathroom from people and like the sob, the the kind of like the, the comparison of sob stories and the, and I don't mean to sound judgmental about that. Like, you know, being postpartum and having your body completely change is not a sob story. Like I would probably, I would be rocked. Like I knowing myself and my body image issues that have kind of happened throughout my life. Like I would be rocked and I'm, I'm, I'm preparing myself mentally for that, even though I'm not even preparing for children, but I'm preparing myself mentally for changing right changes if you haven't listened to episode one of the embodied beauty pillars you must okay i'm just gonna say that right now and i'll quickly go over them real real quick for those of you who have listened and you're like god move on um number one is to enjoy what you have in the present moment number two is to improve and maintain what you can within the realm of reality and ideally health wellness sustainability Number three is to accept what you cannot change because a lot's going to change and you cannot change it all. And four is to embrace beauty as an energetic projection, timeless, ageless, formless. This is how you treat yourself, how you show up for yourself. It's a really powerful philosophy of how to, how to live and also how to run your choices through a filter whenever you're making any choice for yourself, whether it's an invasive treatment or it's a, um, a workout class. <laughs> how can you run these through the pillars and see how they support you, generally speaking? The other thing that comes up so heavily and is very ever-present in my mind, and especially when you get into cosmetic alterations or you get into a lifetime of being critical of yourself is that we have no real idea of what we're looking at. There is such a, a dysmorphic thing that happens. The body dysmorphia is so real. Oh my God. Also, I've been meaning to talk to you about this, but the use of filters makes us so dysmorphic. I haven't used filters in years. I haven't used filters in like four years, three or four years since I've committed to being, um, a person with an online presence who is trying to show you what like a real like 
person looks like even when I want to use filters like I don't and I don't anymore because I don't want to anymore because I have photos of when I was like 28 27 28 and they're filtered and I would love to see what I fucking look like at 28 27 without any filters but that was when I was like using snapchat as my camera um I don't use snapchat but that's like the filters kind of started there um, and so I would use it as my camera and I'm like, wow, why do I look so pretty? Like through these, through these filters, but it's like these filters make you have this, these distorted views of what you look like in the actual camera. And I would also, um, like to emphasize that how you look through a camera is not accurate either. Like it's, it's, it's reversed. It's a little distorted. It's not accurate. Um, even the mirror can be inaccurate if your mindset is in a certain way. So it's really hard to start doing alterations like Botox fillers, um, multiple surgeries, like anything like that, because you're going to have a distorted view of what you are, what reality is. And also your judgment and your critical nature is going to be uber high, like extra high. So how can we shift more so into the big word embodiment, the feelings, um, being connected to yourself, I had an experience recently, um, and I know I've been stressed, and I think that this is part of it, um, but I was having sex with Chris. <laughs> this, is, this is why my uh, podcast has an explicit um, icon. So I was having sex with Chris, and um, and he was being like particularly um, sweet, like particularly engaged and particularly focused on me and like giving me a lot of eye contact and like looking into my soul and being like really loving. And I found myself, even though I've been with this man for like 10 years and I'm married to him, I have found myself being, being so, um, I found myself feeling so confronted and having all this inner thoughts, like because I was stressed, I wasn't in my body, I was in my head. And I started thinking about like, what is he looking at? Why do I, why is he staring at me like that? Do I look weird from this angle? Do I have like a double chin from this angle? Do my boobs look lopsided from this angle? Like, do, do I look like, do I look good? Do I I was like not I was like so almost like I was trying to watch myself through his eyes instead of being so fully present and relaxed and allowing myself to receive this love and allowing him to like to like worship me I was so wrapped up in my head and this doesn't happen all the time but it happened during this time and then I started crying (laughs) and it's like I don't think there's anything wrong with crying during sex if you are like with a committed person who it is safe to do that. And he was cool about it. He was like, no, no, you do this sometimes. Like, it's, it's fine. And he like held space for it. But I was crying because I was like feeling this weird wave of like stress release and somewhat and like oscillation between trying to be in my body and like jumping outside of it and looking at myself objectively. And I don't have like a solution for this. I just want to share that these things are they happen. <laughs> I don't want to say they're normal, but it's not like we're going to one day arrive at like perfect body image, perfect beauty image, feeling so whole and so complete that nothing ever faces us. 
we're not going to get there. And that's not really the goal. I think it's learning how to shift into being more loving in the moment with ourselves and celebrating our beauty when we feel it and encouraging the yes, I look hot. Or even if you have to look at something on yourself that's maybe benign, like damn, my ankles are so lovely. Or I really love my hands. Or I love that my nose is unique. Or I love how long my hair is or how full my my eyebrows are, how full my lips are, how full my hips are, whatever it is. It's like finding the thing about yourself that you that you love. And the other thing is appearance has no fucking bearing on how you feel about yourself. It has no bearing. You could be the hottest thing in the world and still cry during sex because you are feeling disembodied or um, stressed or have a paranoid thought that they're having a judgmental thought about you. Like it doesn't matter. It And I'm learning this, the more women I talk to, it's almost worse when you're super beautiful because there's so much emphasis on beauty being your value. So how can we define, decide what beauty is for us in the moment? How can you have ownership, radical self-ownership and self-love in those moments of extreme tenderness, extreme vulnerability? And you're going to start noticing that when you shift your dialogue, you're going to start noticing everyone else's poor inner dialogue or outer dialogue about their body and about how they're expressing themselves. You're going to, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb. It's going to be more obvious because your reality is going to change. When I engaged in a lot of negative self-talk, it never felt foreign to me when other people would talk badly about themselves. It was like female bonding. Now it's starting to feel foreign and I'm almost like, oh, like I feel I feel fundamentally robbed when I see someone else now loving on themselves more than I love myself. And I'm like, how can I love myself as much as you do? Because like if you get to, I also get to. Beauty is your birthright. Enjoying your beauty is your birthright. Doesn't mean you need to stranglehold it and try to preserve it at all costs because that's going to rob you of it too. Beauty happens in the present moment. It's an experience. So don't stranglehold it but allow yourself to enjoy it. Allow yourself to celebrate it. There's a fine line. We are walking a fucking tightrope, babes. <laughs> it is a tightrope and it's it's not easy, but we need to run towards that challenge and embody that paradox. So after this like experience where I was like, I mean, I was afraid that like my cat was dying. So I was like incredibly stressed at the time. And like, you know, just everything was upside down last week. It was like rough, rough, rough. Um, And I told Chris afterward, like, I thanked him for being the divine masculine. These are not terms that we use. Like, we're not, like, as much as I would, like, love to be like, oh, we're that couple, you know, like, divine feminine, divine masculine. Like, you know, as as much as I would love to say that, this is not, like, the language we use. Um, It's in my mind, right? Like, him being the container and allowing me to, like, fall apart in his arms. And I think... I would have enjoyed myself more if I really embraced that, if I really moved towards it and like really allowed myself to, to just fully ball. And I kind of did like, I, it's like, I don't know if you ever ever cried and came at the same time, but it, it felt very strange to me, like to have it in that energy. Like I've done that before, like a handful of times, but it was, it was interesting. And it really just shined a flashlight on the areas in which I am not fully loving myself. Like I am not fully um, embodying, like when I'm on top, I feel so exposed, so exposed. And I remember even in my younger years, like never really liking being on top for that reason. And I have all these judgments going on in my mind. And um, I'm, sometimes I do, sometimes I feel confident and I, and I like it. And sometimes I just don't. Um, and I just kind of want to be like, 
you know, like compressed and like hidden a little bit. And this is the navigating path, right? Okay, so anyway, I thanked him for holding the space for me and told him what was going on for me, that I was having a lot of critical inner dialogue. And I also told him that I want to move towards figuring that out and that I need his support to allow me to like heal this deeper layer that's coming up. And I don't want him to like shy away when I start having emotional reactions in vulnerable times. Like I want him to like hold down the fort so that I can lean in. And that is, he was like, okay, I got this. Like I can do that. And it was just like, I felt so held because I was honest about what was happening. I wasn't trying to pretend that everything was fine or that I am like, you know, I wasn't trying to act and like pretend I was the hottest thing in the world or whatever. I was like, oh my God, I feel like so fragile right now. But we need to have, find beauty in our fragility and beauty in our vulnerability. And that leads to the deeper strength, that pliable strength and being vulnerable with other people too. It's um, showing your heart and showing, and that's what I'm doing with this podcast too. Like I'm showing the the darkest, creepiest corners of my mindscape <laughs> so that I can maybe inspire you to be more self-loving and be more of a self-advocate and embrace your body because it's only going to keep on changing. And that's not to scare you. That's to inspire you to love its evolution because change is so constant and it's the only guarantee, right? Okay, I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was kind of a lengthy one. I am so grateful for your reviews and your stars and for sharing these episodes. It means the world to me. It's the only way that I can grow is by you sharing this with your friends and your loved ones and your companions and people who find peace through vulnerability and who also are working on their self-relationship and their relationship to their beauty and their body image and their changing bodies through whatever reasons um surgical or not just age-related whatever it doesn't matter we are all changing we are all aging and we're not getting out of this so we're doing it together right and we're inspiring each other so thank you so so much for listening i will link things that i talked about in the show notes but uh, i'm going on vacation so this probably will be the last pod for a bit a little bit um but i'm hoping to get very inspired while i'm away and have so much more juicy things to share with you so thank you again i love you dearly